Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. Uh, 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern on a Monday morning. It's Doug Williams filling in uh, on Writer Than You, 855-212-4227. We will get to your calls. Um, For now, we're going to be joined by Jeff Curry. covers the NFL for CBS Sports and the Eagles for ESPN Radio down in South Jersey. Um, Jeff, we were talking about Jalen Hurts in our last segment, and I want to ask you kind of a two-part question. Um, where are fan expectations for Jalen, and what do you think are realistic expectations from your point of view going into this season for him? Hey, Doug. So from Friday's preseason game, there were a lot of things to like about Jalen Hurts, and he did one of two things I specifically want him to do was, and that was be a little more – how can I put this – in best terms, go to the middle of the field. And he did that on a couple of plays on Friday. And, again, Eagles did score on a touchdown drive, but Hurts also took a helmet down the hit from Quincy Williams. I'm, I'm sure you've seen the hit by now. But And a lot of people are criticizing Hurts because he kind of took off right away. But if you rewatch the game and from my season in the press box, there didn't look to be anybody open. So Hurts took off, tried to get as much as he could. I don't think he expected to get hit going out of bounds. I don't think any of them did. But Nick Seriani put out a good point. Everybody wants Jalen Hurts to stay in the pocket more. But that also takes away from the added dimension of the game. So, And he could get hurt in the pocket, too, which is what Sariani pointed out. So there were a lot of good things to like as far as fan expectations. I think they expect Hurts to get better. I don't think they like him running as much, but that's a part of his game. And when you have 780 yards and 10 touchdowns, you got to utilize that as best as you can. Yeah, we. I'm fascinated by the dynamic, too, with running quarterbacks because we saw it in Kyler Murray's contract where they're saying, we like that you run, we want you to run, uh, we're going to incentivize rushing touchdowns and yards, but also please stay healthy, please stay on the field, and that's the way you'll make the most money. So teams are constantly, especially with the new era of quarterback, trying to figure out what they want these guys to do. Um, not a runner, but elsewhere in PA, let's talk Kenny Pickett because – I am also fascinated by uh, the conversation around him and the quarterback situation with the Steelers. Um, Mitch Trubisky is there. He's making a lot of money to be the starting quarterback on a team that realistically is never going to rebuild. And there's Kenny Pickett playing well against, albeit second, third string uh, defenders. Um, But where do you think he fits as we go uh, closer and closer towards week one? So I thought about this, too. Is Mitch Trubisky really making a lot of money? Is $12 million a lot to pay for a bridge quarterback? I I don't know. I I still think Kenny Pickett should be the starter week one. And I was pretty impressed from what I saw on, uh, was it Friday or Saturday? Saturday night. So what I liked about Kenny Pickett is, and again, he is facing guys that probably will not be in the league. But I liked his command of the offense. I thought they ran more of Matt um, Canada's offense more than – 
I, we should say a Kenny Pickett or a Mason Rudolph. Oh, by the way, Mason Rudolph, I don't know how he's in this quarterback competition. We shouldn't be hearing his name. It's not. It should be a two-team race here. Yeah, exactly. And it should be between Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett. If they want to go with Mitch Trubisky to start the year, I'm okay with that. But I think they should just go to the ground running, Kenny Pickett week one, as you said, Doug. It's a rebuild. They don't rebuild in Pittsburgh, and their offensive line's better. They still have a good defense, and I'm going to say this: George Pickens is the truth. Everything you keep hearing about George Pickens, he's going to be a really good player. So I, I, I like what Pittsburgh did this all season. I, I don't know if they're going to be an AFC title contender by any stretch of the imagination, but in a year, I feel like where the AFC is very deep, very top heavy. Play Kenny Pickett and let him learn on the fly and see what you got. You drafted him 20th for a reason. Yeah, and and yeah, it's not a, a top-tier roster in the NFL, but it's also not, as we both said, a, a rebuilding situation where you know, you'd be throwing Kenny Pickett out there and, uh, you know, he'd lose 14 games. He has the ability to win in year one. And if he uh, earns the job in the preseason, I've got no issue with him winning it um, elsewhere in that division. Um, uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, he's basically said, I don't want to negotiate as soon as the season starts, which in his case, even though it's not a real deadline, if he's his own agent, Jeff, then he probably doesn't want to negotiate during the season. He should be focused on himself and his play. Um, what do you see as the most likely outcome for Lamar Jackson? Well, I think in Baltimore's outcome, you better get a deal done with Lamar Jackson because I have a feeling he's going to have a big year no matter if he signs or not. And if he does, $50 million turns into $60 million really quick. And Lamar's having his cake and eating it too because, again, he does represent himself, and he's worth that. Everybody says he can't throw. Yeah, he can throw. He's actually a really good thrower. It's what has Baltimore given him to throw to? They, they traded the one guy he could throw to uh, at wide receiver. So I think Rashad Bateman's going to be good. James Prochet, I think he got hurt this weekend, which Baltimore likes him. But, again, that, that's not a sexy name. That, that doesn't wow me. So I think Baltimore needs to upgrade at receiver. I just don't think they're going to do that this year. But I still think Lamar's going to have a huge year with J.K. Dobbins coming back, with Gus Edwards coming back. I, I think they're going to go full Greg Roman offense here. I just think Lamar's going to have an MVP type year again, and he's going to get paid. And if I'm Baltimore, I'm, I'm paying him $50 million a year now and giving him $230 million guaranteed, maybe even more, because that's what Deshaun Watson got. And I think that that's the barometer now. Yeah, I love, first of all, that he showed up to camp at 230 pounds. He's, he's built, he's, he's, he looks poised for a big season. He's got all the pressure on him, but I see him thriving in it. Um, and I also love the the talking point that you brought up that, you know, uh, Baltimore can't get receivers that, that Lamar's never really thrown to somebody and they, they pick apart his ability to throw the football when in reality, why aren't we not blaming the front office for surrounding him with, with more talent and, and more skill position players. And um, so I, I, I agree. I think Lamar's headed for a huge season either way. We're talking with Jeff Kerr covers the NFL for CBS sports. Um, I saw you tweeting about the Cowboys and we're going to talk about this a little bit later on the show that already there's this microscope um, on on Mike McCarthy, and 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 he's going to have to win realistically uh, to get into a uh, a Super Bowl potentially to keep his job with Sean, Sean Payton waiting in the wings. Are we going to experience an entire season's worth of us just watching so closely how this team is coached and their ability to stop committing so many penalties? Yeah, this is why I can never take the Cowboys seriously. Like last year, I said, okay, they're good but are they great? And I kept saying to myself, especially in December, do they beat anybody that can match them or is that their talent level? And 
when they played the Cardinals and lost to them, I'm like, okay, well, the Cardinals are in a free fall, and they just beat the Cowboys. So that kind of convinced me of that. Then they go and commit 14 penalties against the 49ers and have this most boneheaded play at the end of the game and lose. And they're still doing the same thing in a preseason game. I, for some reason, I watched all three hours of that atrocity of a preseason game <laughs> Saturday night with backups. And every time there was a flag, it was penalty, penalty, penalty. And people are blaming the officials. I'm like, no, it's not the officials. It's the Cowboys. They, they, they just make these boneheaded mistakes. Uh, I'm more worried about who – their quarterback is that Dak Prescott gets hurt because Ben Danucci, we, we know what he is. He's not that good. And Cooper Rush stinks too. So, you know, maybe bringing an Andy Dalton back would have been smart for them. But there's a lot to worry about this Cowboys team going forward. I mean, they got star power. They got good players. They do have Micah Parsons. They, they, you know, for all the criticism about it, he still is good. Um, Dak Prescott is, to me, he's underrated. I think he is a really good quarterback. C.D. Lamb's about to take that next step. Dalton Schultz is good. Tyron Smith, Zach Martin. You know, they got, they got a top-heavy roster. But why does they don't get the turnovers this year that they relied on last year? Why does it Trayvon Diggs still gives up a, a chunk of yards but doesn't get the interceptions to go with it? Yeah, wh- what's going to happen with this offensive line? Uh, you know, they lost Lyle Collins. They got a lot of weaknesses there. Oh, and the disciplines are still there. Uh, you know, the discipline issues. So, they won 12 games last year. Is it fair to say – they won't win 12 this year. I mean, it seems like they creep down a bit in the NFC East. Yeah, I agree. I don't know how you could say they improved this offseason. Maybe somehow um, they'll be as good as they were last year, but I, I don't see additions. I see mostly subtractions. And like you, I'm worried about that offensive line. Um, Decel, our producer, thinks the Zach Wilson injury is a perfect example as to why uh, quarterbacks just shouldn't uh, starting quarterbacks shouldn't step on the field in the in the preseason. I, I tend to think just from zero experience, but just what I've heard that it's important that they get out there and get some reps. But um, in a situation like this, now the Jets are left with Joe Flacco and Mike White, and suddenly uh, week one looking doubtful for Zach Wilson. What do you see the Jets doing, if anything, in the interim to to fix this void? What a freak injury, too. So. When Zach Wilson got hurt, I'm thinking to myself, okay, yeah, he's a little shaken up, but just the way the knee buckled when he took off, it's that's very concerning. You're the Jets, and that's probably why a lot of quarterbacks do, or a lot of coaches do put their quarterbacks in bubble wrap. So, but Robert Sala's going to have to eat his words here. He said Joe Flacco's still a starting quarterback in the NFL, and guess what? Now Joe Flacco's a starting quarterback in the NFL. Does he double down here and go into the year with Flacco while Wilson's out a couple weeks or however long it takes, or does he go and I, – I don't think it's going to be that serious now, but you actually go and try to trade for someone your offensive staff's familiar with and Jimmy Garoppolo because he's available. I don't think it's going to be that serious. But, again, we'll have to see how the knee surgery goes to Zach Wilson. But I, I just think they roll with Joe Flacco until Wilson's ready to go, where that's week one, week two, week three. It's, it's not like the Jets are going to win the AFC this year. Correct. And, it, it, you know, we're talking to Jeff Kerr, and I think um... – Basically, if we've learned anything from this weird injury Twitter, it's not to listen to it. When As soon as the injury happened, we were told by so many, like, uh, well, I, I, I see it's an ACL. It, it buckled underneath him. I was listening to doctors tell me about what the knee injury looked like on the field, and turns out we don't know anything from afar. But uh, not to be a doctor about it, they're going to get in there and do some arthroscopic surgery, I believe, and they'll figure out how bad it is once the surgery is underway. I think we've spent so much time over these airwaves talking about, I have, Baker Mayfield being the obvious starter 
in Carolina over Sam Darnold, no matter how they play. And I know Darnold had a couple good passes the other day and threw a touchdown. But uh, assuming Baker wins the job, assuming that Matt Rule believes he's the best guy in that room, does he have an actual chance to succeed? And does Matt Rule have an actual chance to save his job based on the success of Baker Mayfield? Well, there's one thing I got to give Matt Rule and Marty Herney and everybody in Carolina a lot of credit for. You did not determine Matt, Matt Rule's coaching career in the NFL on Sam Darnold. So, to me, I, I think Baker Mayfield gives Carolina the best chance to have some success. And I like Baker Mayfield. I, I don't think he's as bad as people make him out to be, but I also don't think he's good here. But I think on a team like this, if Christian McCaffrey's healthy, got D.J. Moore, got Robbie Anderson – he has an improved offensive line. I, I think he's got a shot as long as he's a game manager because Carolina does have a really good defense and they are getting J.C. Horn back and Jeremy Chin's going to be better. I, I just don't like Ben McAdoo being the offensive coordinator there. But again, if they run, you know, they don't turn the football over. Carolina's going to win some games. And it's not like the AS, uh, the NFC South, a, a world beaten division here. Huh? I'm not sold on the Saints. The Falcons are rebuilding. I think Tampa takes a little bit of a step back with their injuries and topples, but I still think they're going to win the division. I mean, Carolina could sneak in as a playoff team, and I think if they do, that saves Matt Rule's job. So I thought something you just said was interesting. I am also a big Baker fan. I think he is underrated. I think he's had more success than people uh, go back and realize enough. Um, So you're saying kind of that he needs to be a game manager, maybe more so than a gunslinger for them to have success in Carolina. Yeah, exactly. And he's good enough to do that, right? Uh, you know, you don't need him to make these uh, unbelievable Brett Favre-type throws. You just need him to make the plays that are there. And that's what Kevin Savansky did in 2020. And Baker Mayfield has a ton of success with it. For you know, I, I still think the injuries last year played a huge role in that. He was trying to get paid, and he paid through a lot of injuries. I still remember the Sunday night game against Baltimore. I saw him walk into the presser and just – did not look right at all. Uh, you know, he was trying to walk strong and trying to hide it ju- just from the media, but I-, I don't think he could. I think he was beat up in Cleveland for some reason. Cleveland's made a lot of bad decisions over the last 12 months, and I think giving up on Baker Mayfield a little too early was one. Yep, I-, I thought they still had a chance to to come together with him and save it for one year given – uh, they're going to be relying on Jacoby Brissett, even though for some reason they're starting Deshaun Watson in uh, preseason game number one. Uh, Jeff Kerr, uh, he covers the NFL for CBS Sports and the Eagles for ESPN Radio down in South Jersey. Jeff, thanks so much for the time. Appreciate it. Sounds great, Doug. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Um, yeah, I, I the Baker thing is fascinating, and I think uh, it was a really good um, point that, that Cell made and a good question to ask Jeff that, we have now kind of learned that Rule and Carolina in general have have made the correct decision to go with Baker Mayfield over Sam Darnold. In my opinion, that's a no-brainer. So it gives Rule the chance to potentially save his job and win because, like Jeff said, decent roster, decent skill position players. They don't turn the ball over like a lot of teams in the NFL. Uh, they can win some games. But um, maybe Baker Mayfield needs to be a different version of himself. Maybe... And I I like that Jeff also brought up Brett Favre because when Baker was drafted and I watched him in year one in Cleveland, I was such a fan because I love watching guys like Favre who make occasional terrible throws and terrible decisions, but generally can make any throw. And I like that he's undersized and I like that he's kind of got a chip on his shoulder and maybe he goes into a new situation and realizes, especially in a Ben McAdoo offense where it's so many five or six yard passes into the flat, 
It's all about completion percentage. It's all about moving your way methodically down the field. That's not how I view Baker Mayfield. So maybe, you know, he goes into this situation as kind of a different quarterback in a different situation. So I like that. I I don't think that Carolina is going to win a ton of games, but I hope that they have enough success to be able to fairly characterize Baker and fairly characterize his head coach as well. Um, We had a really exciting player step up in week one of the preseason that plays a position that you probably are not thinking about right now, but I think it might be worth thinking about because it was an incredible accomplishment. We'll do it next. Buy or sell. Doug Williams filling in here on Writer Than You. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. Oh, it's Doug Williams back with you. Writer Than You, CBS Sports Radio. Man, this show goes way too fast. We're already at buy or sell, desell, so let's roll it. Let's do it. What side will Bill take on the biggest issues in the world of sports? It's time for today's edition of Buy or Sell on Writer Than You. All right, Doug, let's start it off by keeping that NFL conversation going, but in a slightly different way. While the expectations in Chicago are seemingly non-existent this season for the Bears, the NFLPA had higher hopes for the conditions at Soldier Field over the weekend ahead of the Bears' preseason game against the Chiefs. There were noticeable divots and grassless patches on the field that were evident on TV as there was an Elton John concert at the venue a week prior. Now, NFLPA President J.C. Treader took to Twitter to post in part, quote, we need new testing metrics looking at the performance and safety of every field. The NFL can and should do better, end quote. Buy or sell the Chiefs-Bears game should have been postponed due to the field conditions. I'm going to sell, um, you know, sell. how often we watch we watch games at MetLife with turf where everyone hates the conditions. So it's no guarantee that just because the field looks good uh, that it's going to be good footing. And, you know, there are also noticeable divots and 
patches within the Bears roster. So um, th- that that occurred to me as you were reading it. Um, and Elton John and and the apparently those concerts have been incredible. It's probably the best thing that'll happen at Soldier Field this year, Bears season included. So I have no issue with any of it. Um, it's a preseason game. Even beat up grass can be better than turf anyway. Ouch. A lot of shots fired at the Chicago well, Bears. Well, I just, there. I mean, it's a terrible situation, and they, they haven't done anything to right it, so they don't deserve any love, do they? All right, we go from bad to possibly even worse. The Cowboys, which we touched on last segment with our guest Jeff Kerr, made their preseason debut this weekend, and things didn't exactly go well. After leading the entire NFL in penalties last season, Dallas committed 17 for 129 yards in their loss to the Broncos. Now, after the game, head coach Mike McCarthy was not hitting the panic button on those penalties. Last year was last year. Um, I think, you know, really last year as far as trying to establish a play style and an identity, um, you know, it took us a while to get to that. And, you know, once we did, we were, you know, won a number of games. So this is really the starting point that you go through every year. So this, this is preseason. I don't think this has anything to do with last year. I mean, obviously, you guys get to write what you want, but uh, you know it's it's a starting point. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't I don't like I don't like the number of penalties. You know, made it clear. I talked about it at halftime, and um, you know talked about it briefly in there. So we'll take a long look at it. A little bit defensive there from Mike McCarthy. Buy or sell the Cowboys' lack of discipline is a reflection on Mike McCarthy's coaching. I'm buying. Buy. Um, n- not. Because it's rational, but because he should get used to it. Because every bad thing that the Cowboys do this entire season will be on Mike McCarthy. Dak Prescott could try to QB sneak from, you know, fourth and 23 on their own five-yard line. And, you know, it'll be on him, not Dak. It'll be on him, you know, not other coordinators in their offense. It's everything is going to be on Mike McCarthy as this year goes on. Because, look, in reality, he doesn't deserve all the blame for especially the Zeke contract. There's a lot of issues on that roster. Letting Lyle Collins go, the offensive line now having some holes, a lot of subtractions. Amari Cooper didn't work out. But the bottom line here is Sean Payton wants to be there. You know Jerry Jones wants him there. And if the Cowboys don't, we had we had Governor Chris Christie on the show uh, weeks ago who is as tuned in to the Cowboys as anybody because he's watching games next to Jerry Jones all the time. And he said the Cowboys need to get to the Super Bowl for Mike McCarthy to keep his job. So I'm buying because every single thing the Cowboys do wrong in 2022 will be on the shoulders of one Mike McCarthy. He better get used to it so he's not so defensive. All right, Doug. Now, quarterbacks get all the love in today's NFL. But let's give some love to the punters. I mean, after all, they're people too. Rookie Matt Ariza, a.k.a. the punt god, made his debut for the Bills this weekend in a big way with, get this, an 82-yard punt. Yes, 82 yards against the Colts. Buffalo drafted Ariza in the sixth round out of San Diego State. My question to you, buy or sell that Matt Ariza will prove his worth throughout the season to the Buffalo Bills. I'm going to buy it. Um, Buy. I I can't say that I've watched a lot of tape of him punting at San Diego State. What I can say is that with a roster as good as the Buffalo Bills, with them taking a guy in the sixth round that is a punter uh, with the reputation that he has, um, with the coaching staff that they have in Buffalo, why not? You see an 82-yard punt at any time in any meaningless game, you realize, okay, if he's got that in that leg, all right, I'm willing to see more. So I'm buying I'm down to see some 70-yard punts this year from Ariza. I've never seen a sideline react 
after a punt, the way the Bills reacted. I mean, they love this guy. Was it, who was the punter for the Giants way back when? I think his name was Rodney Williams. Um, he had an insane punt. Yeah, I believe that was his name. And sometimes, like, when when you see that ball in the air, and this, the sideline does react to that. And special teams, by the way, something we don't talk about with the Bills because offensively and defensively, they're so strong. So if they can put it together on all three sides of the ball, they should be the favorites. All right, Doug, let's get to some NBA here. Now, on the most recent episode of the Road Trippin' Podcast with Channing Fry and Richard Jefferson, Jefferson was adamant that LeBron James is not an all-time great Laker. Two years they haven't made the postseason. One year they lost in the first round, and one year they won a championship. But if you take that one championship, and not that you take it out, but if you look at there hasn't been a consistent level of greatness, right? You can win a championship. That's great. But part of LeBron James being famous for being LeBron James, part of the Laker organization, is consistent greatness. Not like, oh, one year you're trash, next year you're great. No, no, it's like, are you consistently those dudes? And it just hasn't intersected. Buy or sell that LeBron James is an all-time great Laker. uh, Well, uh, I'm buying. I'm selling. Buy. I'm selling on Richard Jefferson's point. I'm buying. Sell. (laughs) (laughs) I'm buying that LeBron is an all-time great Laker because he's one of, if not the greatest NBA player of all time. And by the way, Richard kind of makes two points in one. He's talking about championships. He's talking about LeBron's performance. Okay. They won a championship, and every time LeBron's on the court, he's great. So I don't really know what point he could possibly be making. Um, if it's not all about championships like Richard Jefferson was kind of insinuating, then his play has been great. It's been inconsistent. He was the basically the, the, the GM of the Lakers to bring in Russell Westbrook, which hasn't worked. There are flaws, but LeBron is LeBron, and he's one of the best players to ever put on that uniform to say otherwise is irrational. All right. Now, according to reports, the NBA's Christmas Day schedule will look like this. Bucks at Celtics, 76ers at Knicks, the Suns against the Nuggets, Lakers at Mavs, and then finally the Grizzlies at the Warriors. Now, Grizzlies all-star John Morant took to Twitter yesterday and posted a picture of him and Draymond Green drawing at each other with the caption that read, quote, we got what we wanted, Dre, end quote. Golden State, of course, beat Memphis in six games in the second round of the playoffs last season, and there has been nonstop trash talking on both sides ever since. Buy or sell that the Grizzlies and Warriors is the best rivalry in the NBA right now. I'm selling. Sell. Um, look, I think the combination of John Morant's personality and Draymond's personality is great. I loved that back and forth, and I loved watching that series. However, just in the East, when I look at the Bucks and the Celtics, I see that rivalry having staying power. I see those teams and their cores being in place long and and for years to come. And even if the rivalry isn't as fiery as it is in the West between the Grizzlies and Warriors, I see that being the top of the East for years to come. And for that reason, those two teams facing each other uh, late in the season, going into the playoffs, Eastern Conference Finals, that's what I see as the, the best rivalry in the NBA right now. All right, let's get to some baseball here. As it stands right now, the Tampa Bay Rays hold the third and final wildcard spot in the American League, increasing their lead over the Orioles to a game and a half, thanks in part to Drew Rasmussen yesterday, who was three outs away from a perfect game against Baltimore before giving up a leadoff double in the ninth inning. Buy or sell that tracking a pitcher who's going for a perfect game as a fan is as exciting this year as it's always been. 
Here's the thing. I, I, I guess I'm buying. Buy. I don't think it's changed to watch a pitcher try and pitch a perfect game. What I do think has changed is the amount of alerts that I get, the amount of like MLB at bat app notifications I get. It is easier to to watch. And that's what I like when you have the MLB app and it's got that red no hitter or the yellow perfect game right by it. Um, it's very easy to say, okay, I can go find it in the seventh inning and watch. Um, so I think it's easier to watch. It's always been equally exciting. Um, I do hate like exactly what happened yesterday where I turn it on just, just as the story has <laughs> been building momentum. And then suddenly Jorge Mateo, I believe it was for the Orioles down the line. So um, yeah, it's always been fun. I just think now you have the convenience of it. So when you turn it on and that happens, do you feel like it's your fault that you caused the? No, I hate the idea of jinxes. I really? don't. Yeah, I just think, especially you know, reporters on Twitter or broadcasters, they should tweet it out. I mean, that's the news of the day, and especially in a game against you know, it's the Rays and 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 Orioles in the middle of the summer. That's the biggest story. Tweet it out. Go for it. All right, let's finish up with some golf here. Last question: Will Zara? Zalatoris got his first PGA Tour victory as he won a three-hole playoff to win the FedEx St. Jude Championship yesterday. Now, with many big names leaving the PGA Tour, including Cam Smith, who's leaving for the Live Golf, buy or sell that 25-year-old Will Zalatoris can become a star on the PGA Tour. Yeah, I'm buying. Um, Buy. Look, I think with so many of his contemporaries taking the money and going to Live, and and given how close Zalatoris has gotten... I think he can become a star, and and I'm done trying to predict stardom in the PGA Tour just because it's so difficult. I mean, we talked earlier this summer just, you know, about Rory potentially winning the Open Championship and how many guys have come close and and been that next Tiger, like Jordan Spieth and Rory early on in their careers. And then, you know, uh, we're looking at Scotty Scheffler as maybe maybe he's the next guy. I'm done thinking that anyone else in this generation can be the next Tiger, Arnold, Jack, but Zalatoris has gotten so close. He's finally accomplishing it. He's screaming, what are they going to say now on the green? That was fiery. I love it. It's good for the PGA Tour to hear the roar of the crowd and also be able to quote a golfer and what he's saying to the haters as soon as he hits the putt. I love it. I think it's good for the PGA Tour, and I think he's got a shot to be the next guy. I, I Generally speaking, I can't remember the last time I, I watched a video like that and knew what the golfer was saying and had it been... It was quoted on Twitter, and I thought it was like such an electric moment at a time where Liv is trying to make us think that they're going to have electricity and that they're going to have packed stands. They're going to have music pumping, and uh, I've never bought into it. I think it's ridiculous, and I think, um, look, if you want to take money for your situation, I guess I understand it, but that money I wouldn't take. And I think the guys that are left, the guys that are remaining in the PGA Tour are going to benefit from it because they look – like, they're the strong-willed guys who are in it for the right reasons. And Zalatoris is just, every time you see him near the top of a leaderboard on a Friday or Saturday, you're thinking, what's going to go wrong? And for him to finally get one, it's got to be a nice feeling. He's 25. Um, I see it being a potentially very fun uh, little run for him moving forward. Um, we're going to get to something that I think was absolutely fascinating. Twitter hated it. Twitter hates a lot of things, but... Twitter is to blame for it. I'll explain what I mean in just a second. But first, CBS Sports Radio update, Marco Belletti. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, it's Doug Williams back here filling in for Bill Ryder on Writer Than You. 
Man, I, I um, speaking of flashing lights, I've made kind of a habit of doing this. I, I call it the Media Minute. Um, it's more than a minute, so it's a working title. Um, but there's so many fun things to talk about in sports media and the way it's viewed on social media. So let's talk about all of it. Um, the first clip that I want to play uh, is from Sunday Night Baseball last night. Kind of a cool moment. Um, Glaber Torres was able to, the audio is going to be a little confusing. I'll explain it. He's He's mic'd up on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball, and he's able to turn a double play while mic'd up. Take a listen. Oh, two, but, um, yeah, he's a double play. Yeah, we got a highlight here. You so, got a highlight. Double play. And thank you very much. Oh, you're good. You're good. We appreciate it, Glaber. Thank, thank you. you. So it was a cool moment, and the popular take these days is that it's good for the game, and I am sure it is. It's cool to listen to players talk about the game while they're on the field or while they're hitting, pitching or catching, whatever they're doing. In the All-Star game, it's one thing because the game is is technically meaningless. I don't know about you guys, but I sit at home a little bit uncomfortable just because I know how much money is on this, uh, is is at stake and the Yankees are are really struggling. Glaber Torres is in the field at, at Fenway Park. It's a huge rivalry game. I don't want to bother the players in the middle of an important game. I would not want to be bothered. Um, I, I I always think about the position the network feels like they're in when they ask the player, hey, Glaber, in the middle of the inning, we're going to need you to have an earpiece in and a microphone on. It feels uncomfortable. I think the access that Major League Baseball could use is something like uh, what they do in Hard Knocks, and we talked about this on the show last week, that you know Hard Knocks was so spectacular um, and it, it Major League Baseball should consider the idea of giving us a glimpse at what um, spring training is like or follow a team throughout the year so that we see behind the scenes. Um, giving players a microphone on the field just feels too risky to me. I would hate to do it if I were a player, and I know so many players do hate it. Um, again, I'm all in favor of things that are good for the sport, but I think access behind the scenes showing us what it's like day in and day out to play in the majors is more important access than on the field in important games where if Glaber makes an error there, I'm talking about him on the radio and how bad he's been in the field. So that's what makes me uncomfortable, that dynamic about it. More access in Major League Baseball, just maybe not on the field during games. Um, speaking of uh, hot mics, this was a fascinating and very amusing little moment here with Matt Rule. He was doing an interview with Kristen Balboni, who's the sideline reporter for the Carolina Panthers. And um, while being interviewed, he finishes the interview, but the microphone is still very much near him. And uh, he goes on to say something that uh, about hot mics into a hot mic. Listen to Frankie Louvu pump up his mates. I'm the last, last guy in the world that likes being mic'd up. It's everything I can't stand. I have three. And there's Frankie firing up his teammates. Yeah, the play-by-play guy realized that uh, he was trying to go to the guy firing up his teammates. In reality, the microphone was still very much right in front of uh, Matt Rule. Um, and it's funny because Rule strikes me as a guy who would love a hot mic. Um, his introductory press conference, I'll, I'll never really forget watching, was this huge scene. Um, introducing him in Carolina, all optimism, et cetera, lots of cliches. He's a, he's a big football guy. Um, I don't usually tend to be a fan of that vibe, um, but he strikes me as a guy who would love to have a hot mic, and I thought it was so funny that he's talking about how much he would hate to be mic'd up, and we got to hear how he really feels about it. So if the Panthers or any team that Matt Rule moves on to in his next job uh, happen to be on hard knocks, 
he you will know deep down that he hates what he's doing. And by the way, I know that's a feeling shared by many coaches in the NFL, but hard knocks cannot go away and we need a team to do it every single year. Um, the next one is the one I want to spend the most time on. Uh, Twitter was very opinionated about the questions from um, ABC, the local affiliate in Washington, D.C. Scott Abraham did a sit-down interview with uh, Commander's quarterback Carson Wentz, and I'm going to play the two questions he asked. Um, he was really, really despised on Twitter, and it was it, he was for being too tough on Wentz, and I want you to form your own opinion, and I'll give you mine. There's been kind of a narrative out there here in training camp that you've been a little inaccurate um, on your throws. Uh, consistently inconsistent has been a kind of a terminology. How would you assess your performance in training camp, and is that characterization uh, fair? So besides the fact that characterization isn't a word, um, I, th- I think that's fine. What he's doing is giving context to his question. He could have easily done the kind of old school thing and said, um, what do you say to people who say you're inaccurate? But if that's the first question of, of an interview and you, you're sitting down with the quarterback of the commanders, it's a little bit harsh to start that way. A lot of times reporters lengthen questions to soften the blow, and that's exactly what he was doing. And by the way, let's keep in mind that there's a lot of softballs. There's a lot of questions these guys get every day that are not difficult to answer. And Twitter hated that question, but Twitter's so hard on Carson Wentz. That's what I don't get. Like, if you're going to say that this reporter is unprofessional, and I'll get to another person who called him unprofessional, which I thought was hysterical, but um, then what would you have done? And what have you said about Carson Wentz? What do you think about Carson Wentz? That question, the way you formed it, it wasn't perfectly worded. and I'm not a media critic, but I'm just saying, like, at what point uh, are we really going to draw the line there where if he has been inaccurate and consistently inconsistent, ask the guy about it. That's the best way for the fans to learn more about their opinion of the quarterback. So I had no issue with that one. Let's play the next one, Diesel. Real talk here, Carson. It's been well documented. Philly didn't want you. Indy didn't want you. Do you think this is your last chance to prove that you can be a starting quarterback in the NFL? All right, so I think saying real talk in an interview is not great form. Um, I, I, I don't think I would start a question that way. Um, I think he, he could have also not said didn't want you um, just because, look, we, we know a lot just from the reporting of how those went down and his departures from his former teams. But I think, again, you go into a question like that, I think it's a perfectly good question. I mean, how many times this offseason when we were talking about Carson Wentz did we say this is kind of his last shot? And that's what people think. And the media's job is to kind of be uh, the outlet to the fans. The the fans learn stuff from the media. So, um, yeah, back-to-back, the, the full clip on Twitter was those two questions and Carson Wentz's answers. And, you know, I didn't play Carson Wentz's answers. I'll just tell you he handled it really well. He didn't say anything interesting um, or consequential. Um, but, you know, he handled it well, and he handled it like a professional, and they moved on. Um, what what irks me about it is the outrage on Twitter that's like, how could you ask those questions when in reality um, that's what all of you are saying? I mean, if you can find me a fan of Carson Wentz or somebody who thinks that those questions are unfair, then I would say, okay, why? What What is it about his play that you think is is makes asking those questions inappropriate? And the other thing is, Jason Wright 
He's the president of the commanders, right? Comes out and says, you know, how unprofessional that was. Made basically a comment about, like, like don't expect great access moving forward if you're asked questions like that. Anyone who works under Dan Snyder talking about unprofessionalism, give me a break. And at what point, you know, there's a way to make a living based off of asking difficult questions. And Carson Wentz is in a situation where if you would ask me um, before I even saw this clip, what, you know, what interests you about Carson Wentz? I would have said, well, I think deep down, I don't take the commanders seriously as a team to compete in the NFC East because I don't trust Carson Wentz. I think he makes bad decisions. I think he's flamed out in a couple of different places where um, they got rid of him and really didn't have to. There's something about him that has led him to a third team with, um, you know, he's one of those guys that has all the talent in the world, all the arm strength in the world, but can't seem to make it work. So how are you supposed to go into an interview if you're Scott Abraham and not bring up the very valid concerns of the fan base that he is reporting to? And so, yeah, you don't have to, <laughs> the very big pause after, okay, real talk here, Carson. Um, you you stunk in Philly. You stunk in Indianapolis. What's going to happen now? Okay, yeah, that was a little harsh, and the timing of it was a little difficult. But I just, I find it really uh, strange that Twitter likes to critique these things, and Twitter is where, if Carson reads his mentions, everybody is saying that. So in what world is Twitter where we're telling people to be nice? And and that's what irked me about the viral video. And I think asking difficult questions is part of the gig. What what do you think, Decel? Like when you I asked you to to clip that off for the show, you initially listened to it, you were like, I I don't really know how to feel. And that's why I thought it was good fodder for the show. So as you said, first run through listening to it, I had no problem whatsoever with the reporters, both his questions didn't bother me whatsoever. Yeah, could they have been worded differently? Yeah, sure, but I'm not going to get on them for that. Now, what I think is interesting, and you've done countless interviews, so I'm interested on your perspective from this more so than somebody like me, being that Carson Wentz was sitting there two feet from him. Now, this is more of like a human dynamic more so than anything to do about the NFL or being a quarterback or being a multi-millionaire. Is it different when you are face-to-face with any given athlete, and you're going to ask, you know, a tough question, more so than it being over Zoom or on the phone. Is there a different dynamic there where you like, where you would try to make it more of a softball question? Yes, yes, absolutely. And that's the first thing I said to you was radio interviews. A lot of times when when managers, coaches, um, quarterbacks have these scheduled radio interviews across the country at local stations they get those types of questions. Radio hosts, especially in sports talk radio, will say, you know, what went wrong last week? Um, you know, what do you think of your season so far? And a lot of times players or coaches are struggling. They're on bad teams. And those questions are really difficult. That's why, I don't know, part of me watched that and, and almost respected Abraham's ability to right in front of Carson Wentz's face, ask him what pe- about what people are saying. Because when you are a member of the media, you're so connected to the fan base. That's why every time we have a writer on here, like I did earlier on the show, um, like with Jeff Kerr, I was like, what do um, Eagles fans think about Jalen Hurts? How high are their expectations? Media members always know the answers to those questions because they hear from fans, whether it's old school fan mail, whether it's Twitter or social media, they know how fan bases feel. 
So it's an accurate perception of the reality around Carson Wentz. And that's why face-to-face, sitting right next to the guy, for him to come out and say, here's what's being said about you, do you think that's fair, I think is a great way to frame a question. And it leads to, a lot of times, very interesting answers. Now, Carson doesn't necessarily give the most interesting answers in general, and in this case, but that's when you're going to get, like if this, if he had gone viral and Wentz had said, I think it's ridiculous that people feel that way, Here's what I hated in Philadelphia. Indianapolis didn't trust me, but I didn't trust the organization right back. I'm glad to be here. Then suddenly no one would be talking about the question. It's because Carson took the high road, gave us you know some very vanilla answers, smiled his way through it, that it's a story about the reporter and not the answers. Keep asking difficult questions because it's something that I would like to think I would do in the situation. I think a lot of us would too. Uh, Jim Rome coming up next here on CBS Sports Radio. DSL, thank you. It's Doug Williams here filling in. Thanks for listening, everybody. Talk to you tomorrow, same time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.